0: hello everyone and welcome to the final episode of madship for return to the realm um i'm Kai, We're here with alex and leah as always and yeah we finally reached the end of this book um i think that my personal philosophy is that the second books in robin hobbs trilogies are always the best and i think that madship is continuing to prove me right uh so many impactful character and plot moments and like if if there's only one thing in this book which is Malta's development I think it would have been amazing but there's like the 12 different character threads to follow uh so yeah the uh, oh yeah we're, before we get into it if you somehow don't know yet, we are a Spoilers All podcast. We're going to have spoilers not just for the end of this book, not just for uh, potentially the next book in the trilogy, but all 16 books in the Realm of the Elderling cycle, so don't spoil yourself. Um, But yeah, this section is basically one long uh, almost like one long scene, and then Brashen and Paragon interrupt in the middle to be like, hey guys, we're building up tension by having an interlude. Um, <laughs> we're still here. <laughs> yeah, but otherwise, um, it's one long sequence where Malta and Selden, who are now in the Rain Wilds, um, are sort of feeling pinched and out of options. And as a last-ditch effort to save Bingtown and Rain, try to release Tintaglia. And that sets off this crazy chain of events, which does eventually save Tentaglia, but also uh, sets into motion lots of uh, lots of issues for the Rainwells, which will set the foundation for things that happen in Ship of Destiny. But yeah, um, I think that because of it being like one long scene, um, we're going to be even more flexible than we usually are <laughs> about jumping around. But yeah. For our usual structure's sake, let's start off with chapter 35, Treehog. Um, Malta, it, we basically like have a Malta point of view where she's in the rainwild and she is rightfully so super depressed about the fact that Bingtown and home as she knows it is gone. She's sort of just completely listless and not sure what she can do next. Um, but despite all of that, uh, she manages to reconcile with Rain and find some solace in that.
1: Um, Rain and Malta, this was, like, the first chapter where I started to be like, "Oh, they're cute.
2: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I think we're also seeing malta like growing away from her father which i'm very much enjoying and like we saw a little snippet of it too at the like summer ball or whatever it's called where she was like um fighting with rain and she's like oh this is exactly what my father does to my mom and here she kind of has the same thing where she's like, in one chattering instant, her basic concept of men was reordered. She didn't have to hammer rain with words or break him with unflinching accusations. He could admit he was wrong. And then I think right after that, it was like, unlike her father. And she's like, but I'm not going to think about that right now. <laughs> yep. She's
1: starting to see the chinks in the armor.
0: Okay, and then right after this, we had some technical difficulties. And by we, I mean me. I disconnected. But it's fine, because I was back soon. So, if there's a bit of a jump in topic, now you know why. Getting back into the podcast.
1: Oof, one of these dogs just farted and it is
0: bad. Oh god. It's like really well, that, bad. That's really the note I love coming back on. <laughs> <laughs> the first thing I hear after it's, it, it unbreaks is just damn.
2: You <laughs> <laughs> oh, know, it happens. I'm sure it smells better than the dragon coming out of her cocoon.
1: Oh, yeah. All the, like, the hot lizard smells they describe are
0: so My My favorite is Selden's, where he's, like... It's, like, after you touch... Like, it's, like, he, after you, like, play with a garter... Yeah. Which, like, specifically because that raises the question of, like, are you playing with snakes a lot? Like, once again, no one is looking... Over looking at for Selden. Oh, yeah, just I funny. feel so bad for him. Snakes.
2: Malta even realized in this chapter, she's like, he had recovered so swiftly, more than recovered, he'd suddenly become a person. I'm like, oh uh, yeah,
0: because he's actually doing stuff on the page. <laughs>
2: <He's> <laughs>
3: wailing
0: all the time. That, that feels like a fourth wall wink where it's like, he suddenly became a person. Yeah. It is now convenient for him to be a character. <laughs> yeah but also they're definitely i definitely have had like baby cousins where it's like i see them once a year and it's like oh you're such a cute kid and then they're like fuck you not actually that but like yeah they're, because they're kids <laughs> but like it, it has is- the same amount of whiplash where it's like how how you you're articulate you can speak yeah like- they, they have, like, their own thoughts and feelings
2: and stuff. Like, it's so weird when they... It's, like, they do have a switch where they are not a person for a long time. And then they just become one. And you're like, what the heck? Like, mm-hmm. you're reading full-length we'll novels. Like, you've got a typewriter you carry around <laughs> with you. You're like, a little old man.
1: It was, like, once my friends started... Ha- my, my siblings started having, like, friends or people they talked about that I didn't know. I was like... I raised you. How dare you meet people that I don't know? Like, you're, you have your own little life now. You can't do that. You're not. You like...
0: Let me vet them. Come on now.
4: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I love. Um...
0: Like Malta is definitely like down in the dumps in this chapter, but. When she's thinking about Selden, she's like, she almost felt sentimental about her annoying little brother. She wondered if that meant she were growing up too. And it's like, Yes, Malta, you are growing up. I like she she's sort of like too depressed to like think about it in a non cynical way, but she genuinely is growing and I love that for her.
4: Yeah. It's
2: nice to see her branching off and having different thoughts and opinions from both of her parents like she's starting to form her own ideas and that's when you really know you're like becoming your own person and like really growing up when you can realize kind of the flaws in your like elders and
0: parents mm-hmm. yeah there's like the section where she's talking about like the relationship between her and Ray, and she's saying like It doesn't have to be about who was wrong or right or who controlled whom. And, like, given the context obviously, like, her perception of what relationships has to be is because of how Kefria and Kyle interact. Mm
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah,
0: because she
2: really, I mean, yeah, she didn't really have, like, Ronica and Efren because Efren was always gone. So it's not like she had any other adult relationship role models besides her parents. Mm-hmm.
0: And I think it's also, like, I feel like Efren and Veronica, like, for good or for bad, if they had, like, disagreements, they would do it behind closed doors, whereas, like, Kyle and Ke- Kefria, like, sort of even use, we saw them using Malta as, like, sort of a, a bargaining chip or, like, a just, like, There's a piece, a piece in, in, their, in their conflict.
4: yeah.
2: i loved seeing like rain and malta together and having him like the fact that he was comfortable enough around her and so emotional about her to like cry in front of her at the thought that like he could have caused her serious harm like it just touched my heart and i'm so excited to see them like become more together i just love it so much i'm ready
0: Rain is, like, a hopeless romantic. Like, I love it. Later on in the section, he's like, now that Malta was dead, he had no more will to live. And it's like... (laughs) yeah, He's, like, he's
2: gonna lay down in the mud and then just let it suck him up. (laughs) No, like,
0: actually,
3: though...
2: He would have, like, a little scrap of Malta's hair, like, a little braid that she gave him, and he would just die with it. (laughs) Like... (laughs)
1: I feel <laughs> That's like it that. brings drags her brother into it too. Like, yeah, it's so annoying to me that he brings Selden with him when he basically knows that he's gonna go down there and like look for Malta and die. So, like, leave the little boy. Like, send him back to his mom. Well, he doesn't,
0: like, to... he doesn't know that he's gonna. They're gonna die at first. I think it is just sort of like he probably would have sent Seldon
2: back if he knew like how much dying. damage has already been done in the like room. Yeah, I guess. I guess mm. I will accept that. Also, Selden is becoming his own person, like we'd mentioned. So he is allowed to make his own decisions and he does make his own decision because <laughs>
0: if he wants Selden, to die, he should be allowed to.
2: <laughs> yes. In in chapter 37, he makes the decision himself. He's like It's, um, talking about, like, how Rain was, like, trying to say something, like, we have to continue and, like, we have to save her because it might be too late. But, like, he didn't want to say that in front of Selden. And it's, like, Selden's, like, because she might be dead before you got back to her, he sighed heavily. That's the same reason I didn't go back out and look for help when I knew the way out. I was afraid it would be too late. So, like, he kind of... Is grown enough now to know that there are some situations where he, like, could lose his sister and has to just power through. Because the amount of time that would be between, like, him going to help or him getting help could be, like,
4: life or death, actually. Mm Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's not just Rain
2: dragging Seldon in. Seldon made the decision himself sort of. He was also scared of the dark and Rain had a candle or he had something that lit up. So like that made Seldon feel better too. Yeah,
0: I think it would I think it would be best if he like because, because like also like what was Rain supposed to do just like leave him on like be like okay kid, nice. Yeah, follow the chalk track. Uh, yeah, I think that him being there as, like, a protector was, like, good. No, I... obviously, like, not ideal, but I don't know that there was any ideal situation. For sure.
2: I, for some reason, thought that, like, the second Seldon saw Tintaglia, he was gonna become, like, her bard or whatever, and mm-hmm. I was like, expecting him to like break out in song and be like oh my god she's magnificent but he's like oh she smells really bad <laughs> and she's like gonna crush us <laughs> like, i was not expecting that just yeah. based on like the selden i know in the future
1: i thought that yeah. was too i was expecting him to get like enchanted by her at once
0: yeah I-, I, guess- I thought that like when he saw her fly that would be like the moment yeah but, but I maybe it happens in the start of next
2: book. Save him,
0: we're, yeah, yeah. When like she comes back around, maybe it's
2: when she saves their lives. He's
0: probably so grateful. He's like, "Oh, I love you now."
2: Mm-hmm.
0: That that is kind of the tragic part, right? Because it's like we're seeing Seldon become his own person, and we get like three chapters of that, and then he's like, mm-hmm. "Wow, we I love dragons," <laughs> and it's like that becomes his personality for forever. Yeah, until like the end of *Rain Wilds*, where we get actual person Selden again. But still,
2: yeah, but that's like severely traumatized, tortured, so sad. Like fifth right. era <laughs> Seldon, it's not good.
0: Okay, it, true. It's it, he goes through some awful stuff, but then he like, but then he like falls in you love with know, and ma- and like that doesn't he like he, he he marries the new queen of Ch- of of chalced
1: trauma like- bonds with the duchess of chalced yeah.
2: do they get married i, I just thought well. that she like was like you're staying here and he was like uh,
0: okay yeah, i think, I, uh, I e- think even, even if they part- don't formalize their relationship they were like they were yeah mm-hmm. they were they were in love
4: they had hard eyes for each other for sure yeah, yeah.
0: Um I mean, speaking um, one... of what said like i'm oh, sorry do you, have, do you have any more do you have more notes my bad
1: no, i was just gonna say um
3: <clears throat>
1: they in this chapter chapter 35 there's like a council that kefri is at where they're trying to figure out what to do with the satrap and I, one of the traitors was like Let's just make him do work and then make him swim in the Rainwild River.
3: <laughs> yes, <laughs>
1: that, should been, that should have been his ending.
0: <laughs> like, I would all, I, mad. I was so mad because then they were like, yeah, everyone like just ignored uh, Trader Lorik's outbursts, and I'm like, Trader Loric is spitting. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. Loric had a good idea.
0: <laughs> Trader Loric's the only one who's thinking straight. They're like, everyone else is like, hermi, 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 politics. I'm like, Kill Look, it doesn't matter, it, it, they're like hundreds of miles away, you can say that he's, mm-hmm. that the satrap is doing whatever, and you can just like, put him to work, like who cares?
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: you don't have to live like royalty.
2: Especially if they were planning on like, seceding anyways. Yeah, like, right. like they,
0: they control the narrative 100%, as long as they control the satrap. Yeah. But yeah, speaking of the Satrap, as I was saying earlier, and definitely not <laughs> using a new, even better transition, um, it's chapter 36, Dragon and Satrap. I'm going to be real, I have no idea why this chapter is titled Dragon and Satrap, like they're on equal footing or equally represented in this chapter. It's all Tentaglia, and then uh, the Satrap the Cosgo just steps in at the last like page and is like, huh, we are being flooded. Come with me, Malta. We have to... Or, well, come with me, little servant girl. But yeah. This chapter really isn't about the Satrap at all. This is all Tintaglia and Malta. This chapter was titled by the Satrap himself. (laughs) I'm in it, so this is what it's going to be called. I'm basically as important and powerful as a dragon. (laughs) Yes, he definitely thinks that. No doubt in my mind, that is his I really wish we got a moment of, like, Satrap doing a Hest... And trying to be like dragon, please, respect oh the satrapy. I would love him would to get that. Me.
1: I want it so bad that I might just like write it myself.
2: Yes, please.
1: <laughs> it right. should be
2: like it should be Murkhor um, who eats him yeah, because well, he's the smallest one. He's right. like I'm doing you a favor.
1: The right dragon to devour the
2: satrap would want the golden one, obviously, because he would be the most majestic and beautiful one, and he's like made of gold. And is the smartest one, so it's kind of like, I know this guy's not good for humanity, I might as well just do <laughs> what needs to be done for the good of all dragon and humankind.
0: He doesn't taste good, but, you know.
2: Oh, the, I'll bet. take the
0: bullet. Yeah.
1: Like, gross, like, old sweat.
0: Yeah. And kind of slimy. Mm-hmm. He's genuinely, he's like... <clears throat> He's not, he doesn't get any sunlight. Bro does no exercise. He frail as all hell, no meat on them bones. And he also, like, just does drugs all the time. And it's like, yeah, he's a like, heavy drug user. Mm-hmm. And not like, this guy is not like medicinal. He's just like, he's, aren't like his teeth all fucked up because he uses, like, like that's what yeah. I'm throwing up. But then it's also like, even before that, they're like, he, yeah. did, he does so much herbs or whatever that, like, his he eyes... He said some of quiet.
2: them were loose and stuff, like, oh, Yeah. yeah. I'm sure they're, like, brown and
0: yucky. He
1: yeah. puts Regal to shame with his
3: drug use. Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: There, there really are, like, elements of the Rainwilds where it's just, like... Taking the most insane shit from, like, Farsier and then turning the up on that. Like, Kenneth and... Like, all the villains like, are the obvious ones. Like, Kennet and Cosgo. Just so (laughs) over the top. Yeah, so in this chapter, after, so last chapter, Rain basically tells Malta that, Malta's like, yeah, the dragon left me alone after my accident. And Rain is like, well, she's still tormenting me. I drink myself to sleep every night. And Malta is like, fuck that, fuck this, I need to like, do- and she's basically she she's like, run out of options, she doesn't know what else she can do and now she's like, I, I'm gonna release the dragon and maybe that'll that's the one thing that can actually change her situation. So she follows Selden into uh, the Undercity or whatever they call it, um and it turns out that she's a little bit skill sensitive, um and so, with the help of Tintaglia, she drowns herself in the memories of the city, and manages to figure out the process of how to rescue Tintaglia. And she manages to hold on to her ident- identity just barely. Um, but yeah, in the process of like turning the levers and stuff to like try and free Tintaglia, she accidentally whoops, causes another quake, and cracks open. Uh, Like, see, so, 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 like, cracks open something somewhere and, like, it starts, the Satrap's room starts flooding. And he's like, hey, I happen to be here. And it's like, Satrap? Why are you in the Undercity? And it's like, worry not, we must escape now. And that's basically this entire chapter.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't know how Malta isn't scared shitless. Like, she has the same way of thinking about it that Fitz had were like, neither one of them were that, um, reactive to, like, the fact that they're surrounded by what seems to be a shit ton of ghosts. Mm-hmm. And they're just like, oh, I'm just gonna keep doing what I'm doing. And, like, Malta in particular, too, like, all her parts in this whole section made me feel so claustrophobic that I, d- I don't understand how she wasn't just losing her shit the entire time.
2: She is exactly like Fitz. Even, she says something, and I'm like, this is what Fitz thought. And, like, either said to us or thought. It was like, she's like, Malta was the unseen ghost here, not they. The city was theirs. I'm like, yes. That's exactly what Fitz said, too. But, like... I think they're just used to, like, weird shit happening, so they just accept (laughs) that it is. Like, Malta's... Okay, Malta also... Is still recovering from a head injury. So, like, it definitely could still be her concussion and, and her just like going with it because her brain doesn't have enough energy to like think too hard about these things. But I, I don't
0: have any excuse for fits. <laughs> the, I, and I think for Malta, at least. Head wounds. Yeah. <laughs> for Malta, she had like forewarning because like Rain was like, here is the deal with this place. Um, yeah. So even though it's, like, obviously, like, actually experiencing it is way different, she's like, oh, okay, this is what Rain was talking about. Um, (laughs) Also, to what you were saying about it feeling super claustrophobic and how it was written, uh, this really, I feel like we haven't had a lot of this in this series, but when we were doing uh, Farseer, I was gushing about how like robin Hobb is so good at like writing altered states of consciousness whether it be like from weird elf bark drug use or like uh merging with uh night eyes with the wit yeah like the, the wolf stuff and this was just like another amazing example of that
2: yeah this one was incredible she's yeah. just so
0: talented it just boggles my mind
2: mm-hmm.
0: and i feel like when i try to think of like how would i write this I feel like she manages to do so much with so little because I'm like, I I feel like I would overthink and try to add way too much detail, but she sort of like, she, she like layers details on, but like just enough that you like, you get the picture. I was actually listening to a podcast episode
2: where another author kind of was like interviewing her and she said something like, um, like, she doesn't use too much detail because she's like, if I say a mountain, everyone's going to think and picture a different mountain. So, like, all I have to say is there was a mountain there and everyone automatically just kind of puts their own, like, personal mountain there. So that's what they expect. And so it, it makes sense why she would write not as detailed as she could to
0: let us fill in the gaps. Mm-hmm. And we've experienced that, right? Like, even on this podcast, we've talked about, like, oh, I visualize it like this, I visualize like this, and then we, like... And mm-hmm. it, it's, like, it's the beautiful thing of, like, none of those visualizations are necessarily wrong because there aren't descriptions. It's just sort of, like, we all have our personal realm of the elderlings visualized. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that that also obviously helps for, like, stuff like the weird age stuff with Birch and Shade, because by not having as much details, she can be like, yeah, you're totally right to visualize them as being ancient. Nope, I-, I Just kidding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just kidding. Birch is
2: hot as fuck, and Shade's yeah. in his, like, 70s. <laughs> I was
3: thinking about that
2: today. too because he pulls. Hmm. I was thinking about that, I'm like, Shade is when he dies. He's at least like hundred. Like he is a dirt. Like he is old as dirt, and he has what like a seventeen-year-old kid or a twenty-year-old kid. Like he has two mm-hmm. young kids, which means he had them when he was eighty. Like, I just can't. I don't think that's some math I want to do. I want to just keep that. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, a bummer that Shade's kids suck.
2: Yeah. But I mean he kinda sucks sometimes too, so like it makes sense why.
1: Yeah, that's I don't true.
0: remember anything about shades, kids. Now I'm worried.
2: They
1: suck big time. I they hate both them.
0: suck. I hate Wait, them at awkward moment. Wait like, yeah. like like suck forever type suck? Like what? Yeah. They suck for most of the time, yeah. Oh no, are they like worse they, than they Malta? Get better are they worse than Prime Wait. Malta?
1: Well, we don't get their POV. Mm. So. Yeah. It's not worse in that regard, but, like, one of them is multi-level, I would say.
2: Okay. But she gets better. They both get better at the end because they both go through some shit, too.
1: I don't remember- But in the last
2: book, they get I better. I don't
1: remember Shun getting better, but I remember Lant getting better.
0: She gets better because- Actually, you know what? If I had names like Shun and Lant, I would be a problem child, too. Well,
1: their name's Shine and Lantern.
0: Yeah. Oh, okay.
1: Shun and but, Lant.
0: um-
2: she gets better after she like gets kidnapped with B. Oh right, like um, she
1: ends
2: up being better. She goes through a Malta change too, like Malta trauma.
1: Yeah, don't her and her brother fuck.
2: Yes. yes. <laughs> what?
3: <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, Because she yeah. doesn't tell That's them. So they don't know. So then, then they they find don't out know
0: what? what? What don't they know? <laughs> they don't, don't know, know they're and sister. oh okay <laughs> i thought you're gonna be like shane didn't give them the talk and i'm like huh <laughs> they, no, they know don't they're know they're not know they're allowed they're, to do this
1: yeah they don't know that they're brother and sister and then they yeah. figure it out and they're both like horrified
0: mortified
1: yeah as they should
0: oh. be. there's so much
1: <laughs> i remember that
0: the last trilogy gets wild
1: yeah.
4: <laughs> Good lord.
1: Okay, anyways, moving on from Shade's. <laughs> shitty Speaking of sh- 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 Shade's,
0: shades sh- supernatural skill virility. Anyways. Yeah. Um,
1: um One of my favorite parts of this chapter was Malta describing the Cupris emblem, and she describes it as it was a big chicken with a crown looking as if it wanted to
3: fight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So funny! Honestly. I love.
2: Everyone sees it differently too.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: I pictured the uh, the rooster on top of your hat.
0: Wait, whose hat?
1: Your hat that you're. Oh yeah, your okay, that's like okay. literally exactly what I pictured. <laughs>
0: <laughs> My chicken is a peaceful soul, but. I- <laughs> <laughs> Uh, honestly, I,
4: I think a crowned, it, not a crowned rooster.
0: I almost feel like she sees it like looking as if she it wants to fight because she has like a different. She has like a better opinion of rain now, so she's like, yeah, you know, their family crest looking a a little less lame now. Mm-hmm. It's spicier speaking of the cupresses um, they stupid as fuck like yeah. Rain is like guys guys you have to check on Malta she is in this she is in the rooster crown chamber just go check on her and they're like it's okay Rain totally we got you and okay there are extenuating circumstances I get that but like listen to the words coming out of his mouth he's not speaking gibber he's speaking full complete sentences with a through line and like a lot and like, mm-hmm. They're just like, okay, drunk brother, get back to bed now.
1: It's not like drunk rambling. It's very concise. He's like, I will go to bed, but Malta is in the city. Please send someone for her.
0: Yeah, and and not, it, like... it's not like all over the place. He's just repeating the same thing again and again.
1: Right, and they just don't believe him at so all. so
0: frustrating to me to see them just brush him
2: off. I hated that. Because they could have helped Malta and like- Maybe the whole situation with her and the saw could have not even happened if they would have just checked on her
0: earlier.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, they they realize it next chapter. And yeah, but like them. yeah, I, I hate bender benders like well, if only you hadn't been drunk. And it's like,
2: I hate him. Him and Kefria are like basically the same. They're both so freaking annoying. Yeah, I they hate are. Them. I agree. And then Tillamand is literally like Selden because she like gets forgotten about, and she's only in there for like one second. And then she and then
0: she finally finds love in Rainwilds. Yeah, that's true. That is nice. I, again, we talked about this when I was like first reading it, but Rainwild is really just like a thinly veiled like romance series with like <laughs> fantasy elements. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
4: Like
1: put it change the setting to a high school <laughs> and you have like the click
0: <laughs> yeah. no but like even the interchapter interludes are, a, are like a is like a love story, love story. Mm-hmm.
1: that's my favorite love story in realm of the elderlings
2: I know I thought it was so cute it's so cute
0: my favorite is probably Elise and Leftrin, but it's hard to say
2: oh, they, they are
0: I think love. the best
4: Mm. that one's so sweet i love that um i liked
1: i i don't i think i missed this on my first read and i don't really know how i missed it but we get like an explanation for why the sculpture garden in mountains in farseer exists or like that garden of all the dragons because <laughs> Tintaglia says Um, The elderlings made living sculptures of my kin from the memory stone. Old men would carve them in this chamber, safe from the wind and weather. Then they would die into them, and these sculptures would emerge into the sunlight and fly over the city. They would live for a brief time, and then their memories and false life would fade. There was a graveyard of them back in the mountains. Elderlings thought of it as art.
4: So Um, I thought thought
1: all those old dragons were like old farseer monarchs. But they're not. They're, like, some obviously, like, King Wisdom or whatever is. But
4: they're, like, elderlings. Dead elderlings.
2: Yeah.
0: And it's interesting that, like, it's- it feels like the way she describes it is, like, a conscious decision slash, like, it's- It's
1: like a cultural practice.
0: Right. But then we see- Like, I wonder where, like, this skill urging to, like, go to the mountains, carve yourself into a dragon came from. I don't- I don't remember, do they explain it more in, like, the last trilogy? I don't think so.
1: I wonder if it's just, like, the elderly magic calling to people that have that blood in them. Like, all the memory stone there?
4: Yeah. Or,
2: like, the previous farce years- calling them, like before all the erosion and stuff, could actually go and see the, like, stone garden area and, like, got inspired by them to create their own dragons. And then it just sort of became a thing.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, like, the way it's described in Far Series, it feels like that's just sort of a feature of the skill that it's, like, in uh, what do you call it, like, an immutable thing that, like, if you have the skill, this is your end point. But it's definitely not that way for the elderling. so it feels like it, like, became that way somehow along mm-hmm. the way. Yeah.
4: Well, Something I that I just up on... Oh, sorry, what were you
2: saying?
1: I was just gonna say, I, or I just said, I, we'll have to keep our eyes peeled when we're reading the last trilogy to see if we
2: yeah. get the next Even Connie Man to see, too. Mm-hmm. Something I just like was brought my attention to, like when you were reading this, is it said their memories and false life would fade. Does that mean like the dragons use up all the memory and then the memories are gone? Or like do they go kind of into the skill river like once? It's like a little bit of gasoline, like you put some or like a little bit of electricity, you put a little bit into the dragon and then it it feeds more on the memories of the people. That's why it like sort of skills them or like um, forges them a little bit when it flies over. And then once there's no people and the like core memories of the person inside are like spent, that's why they fade and that's why they can't be reawoken.
4: Except for like a new dragon
0: coming. Well, in Farseer, it felt like it was sort of like they fed on like a mixture of skill and wit, which makes sense because of dragon stuff. Because the the thing that initially awakens them is just like blood. Blood. Right? Like, yeah.
4: But maybe that's giving it the little bit of like new memory and new life. Yeah wake
0: up. Yeah, honestly, okay, actually, if you remember that from the stone garden, you can really quickly figure out what the live ships are. I didn't even, re- <laughs> we, we just read that and I didn't remember it when we were talking about live ship stuff, but yeah.
1: Yeah, it makes sense. It functions in a similar way. Like, the memory stone's almost like a mockery of the
4: cocoon wood. Yeah.
0: It's interesting that they function the same, actually, despite yeah. being
1: different, like, mediums. I wonder how the Memory Stone
0: comes to exist. Mm. It's just, it feels like it's just sort of, like...
2: A natural or, part yeah, of it. Yeah, like,
0: it's a... It's a it's, they function the same because they're both skill-touched, almost. But, like... Well, the dragons
2: drink and swim in and need the, like silver to live and then the memory stones have like solid silver in it oh. so it it's all about the silver
1: that makes sense and
2: yeah. there is the like actual skill like the physical silver skill river so we know that it happens and comes naturally in this world and that just kind of is what ties them together and that's
4: why they have such similar like attributes and stuff
0: Mm. once again I don't remember if they like elaborate on this in the last trilogy do we get to know the origin of silver or like or is it it just always like it's just assumed to be a part of the setting kind of thing
4: I
1: believe it's just part of the setting it's like in the earth like water cause that one girl is uh like her job is going into the well and like mining for silver.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I forgot about that. I think
2: we'll be able to pick up a lot more on our reread of Rainwild. because that's where we get to see it in depth. And because we've we're like so focused in on stuff like this, I think that that's where we'll get to pull a lot of information from. Because I don't think that fits really cares too much about it because it doesn't affect his like physical life
0: until he gets splattered with it but if it, let's be real, right, fitz really cares worst. about stuff that affects his physical life as well it yeah it's a lot to get him to care about anything that's it's true.
1: not good at like focusing on things that aren't what he immediately needs to focus on and even then still it's touch and go
2: it's the wolf in him that's why yep
0: have you guys seen that meme where it's like he, he got that dog in him and it's like an x-ray picture of someone's lungs and they're just like little uh dogs there <laughs> no <laughs> okay wait I need to send this but like whenever you you whenever we talk about like Fitz having the wolf in him I just think about that <laughs> <laughs> that's funny
2: I mean that makes sense That probably is the inside of Fitz's body.
4: It's just all the little wolves running around. A bunch of dogs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um,
0: I think that this chapter is sort of the most like classical fantasy of the series in a way. And it really appeals to like the genre nerd in me. Like the whole like Malta binding Tintaglia with her true name or whatever. Like that's such a that's such a fantasy fantasy thing. Mm-hmm. Um and I feel like despite being a fantasy series, Realm of the Elderlings feels like really low fantasy at times. I don't even know how to describe it, but like it feels like it doesn't like it's it's almost like not as melodramatic as traditional fantasy where like I feel like there's like sweeping arching things in overarching things. It just it's weird because like there's prophecies, there's all these things, but like, I feel like it the way that it's in used in realm levelvelings, if it tries to be grounded and it it doesn't like go all over the place. Well, this chapter, there's a little bit of indulging in that. And there's also the part where like Malta's in the memories and she's talk and she's like, take control. She chose the moment and brought it to life around her. And like, it's just really badass in a way that we kind of don't always get to have in Realm of the Elderlings. So I, I love that about this. Yeah. Story. I feel like the magic
2: isn't super like all around. And it's this like huge magical thing. It's just like a part of everyday life for most of these people. Or it's like a little taboo thing that you don't talk about. So it's not a huge deal for any of these characters. So it's
4: not made out to be this huge thing to the readers, either. Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: Um. Do we have any other notes for this chapter? I don't. Uh uh-uh. Okay. Well, rolling straight into the next chapter, chapter 37, Death of the City. Um. Oops, earthquakes. Uh, The safe trap in Malta, and I guess Kiki is there too, uh, find their way to the surface, but they're trapped on an island in the middle, or like a plateau in the middle of the Rainwild River. And so they manage to scrounge up a boat, but they kind of don't have anywhere to go except up the river. Um, Meanwhile, Bendir, Johnny, and Kefria are finally clued in as to what's going on. And Rain and Selden, uh, well, yeah, Rain and Selden go down into the now shattered city to try and find Malta.
1: I love um, Malta and the Satrap interacting because yeah. she just is constantly reading him for filth. Mm-hmm. And he deserves every second of it.
0: Yeah. She's like, how is this motherfucker the supreme leader of the world? Like, hello?
2: And I'm so glad that she sees him for what he is now. Like, before she would have... Before she, like, ruined her whole reputation by sleeping with him to, like, get her father safe, she realizes that, like, he never was going to do that anyways.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, she calls him out on it because he's, like... You don't help me, I won't save your father. And she's like, you weren't going to anyways, and you couldn't, even if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. So she sees right through him.
2: Yeah, it's nice. It's a nice change. Mm-hmm. She replaced Cirilla in his life because Cirilla did, and like, says and acts the exact same way that Malta does when she's with the saw trap. Yeah.
0: The satrap even says, "Like, stop acting like a companion," and it's like Malta's, like, God forbid. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I remember on my first read making that connection, being like, "Oh, she's not afraid of him." The way Cirilla wasn't afraid of him, and then I was like, "But look what happened to Cirilla!" So I was like, afraid for Malta that he was going to do something like that to her too.
0: Yeah, fortunately. They're not on a ship with a bunch of other people to say Trap has control over, so Malta can just tip him over into the river if things go badly. <laughs> yeah. I wish, I wish that happened. I wish, I wish he drank the river water instead of Keki. Instead sort of Keki, yeah. yeah.
2: I think she should have told him that it was totally fine and they should just go take a bath and like clean themselves up in the water. Like, just one time, please. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like, one time, grow.
1: taking a bath in the river probably wouldn't kill you. It would just give you sores, like, all over your body.
0: Yeah. And see, that just like Cirilla, it would it would make him more tractable when he's sick.
2: Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Except he would be zero help. He would literally be dead weight, and she Malta would definitely contemplate tipping his ass over.
0: Mm-hmm. And, like, maybe it's not worth it. My favorite part of this chapter was definitely when she was like, kick me again and you'll see lights with your eyes shut.
3: Yes!
0: <laughs> She's
1: almost her. as good with her insults as Kettle. Or
3: her threats. Yeah.
2: yeah. My best Kettle. Me too. She was sassy.
3: hmm
2: She wouldn't let half these people get away with the shit that they did. If, if she was like best friends with ronica or something ronica would have ch- turned out so differently althea would have had Vivacia the second that Ephron died like none of this would have happened bingtown would have already seceded they would have been their own independent thing for like years but no i, mean, shit. But I also
0: feel like right. Kettle is too cryptic for her own good she's like she's like amber she's she's, she's like the amber role in this story yeah <clears throat>
1: Kata would have bullied them all, though. She would have bullied them
0: Okay, that's fair. She would have bullied them all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Amber's like, let's be friends, and through the bond of friendship, I will manipulate you, but not really. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: And Kata would have been like, do what
0: I say, or else. Yeah. Except, like, in old woman voice instead of mobster voice, but yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Except she would, like, she would get some goons, and she'd beat people up, like,
4: I can see it. Yep. I could, too.
2: She could be a crime boss. Mm-hmm. If she turned her ways to the dark side. She could be, like, do you, you either of you watch Peaky Blinders?
1: No. No, nope, I want
2: to so bad.
1: I just started it. I'm only, like, a couple episodes into the first season, but, like, the main characters are all part of this, like, one family that's, like, basically a gang or whatever in- birmingham in the 20s i think and um there's like a matriarch that's like the aunt of these characters and she's just like a badass bitch and she kind of reminds me of kettle because she's mean to everybody and (laughs) doesn't take their shit
0: sounds like Mm Kettle. add one more notch on uh au fanfic settings we have come up with in this episode yeah (laughs) We've, we've got the classic, The Satrap Dies in Some Horrible Fashion AU. We yes. have the Rainwild Chronicles uh, High School AU. Yes. Uh. And, and now the Peaky Blinders Realm of the Elderlings Crossover AU. <laughs> Bro, I would love that one. I think that one would be the best one. I would
2: love to see Fitz in, like, the 20s. Mm-hmm. He would look Everybody so damn.
1: he has a really bad haircut in Peaky Blinders, though. Like, Fitz... Fitz would fit in. Fitz
2: deserves a better haircut. <laughs> he just needs to wear a little hat every day and he'd be fine. Yeah.
4: <laughs> Except he would
2: hate the clothes. He would hate it all.
1: Well he hates everything he has to wear unless it's like month old pants that he hasn't washed.
4: Yeah, and a cotton shirt. Right.
0: He'll, like, begrudgingly admit that the clothes that the fool gives him are nice for, like, one second. And then he's like, this isn't me. Yeah. It doesn't It doesn't scream mountain man who hasn't showered in 12 days, fool. It
1: doesn't wake yeah. like up my body odor, so yeah. I don't like it.
0: <laughs> and real, okay... This is how we should know that Fitz is hot, because he still manages to pull, even with this lack of fashion sense or, like, basic hygiene.
1: Or, like, basic bathing.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's true. He, like, he basically- he has not been in society for, like, 15 years. He immediately walks into town, and Jinnah's like, whoa (laughs) Yeah. Um oh, am yeah. my only other note for this chapter was just uh, Malta contemplating she's talking she's thinking about how she's talking to Cosgo and she's like that was how her grandmother had always spoken to her. She understood why now. and it's like mm-hmm. point, but also Cosgo is like worse than even Prime Malta. So don't worry about it, Malta. You were never this bad. Yeah right.
4: I think my only note is, like, I'm just in awe
2: of the fact that Seldon has grown up more in his, like, two days in Treehog than he did the entirety of Ship of Magic and this book combined. Like, it baffles me. He has dialogue you
0: know? now. <laughs> <laughs> he did it for himself. He doesn't cry and wail. The, like, the change in Selden reminds me of those, you know those tweets where, like, people will make up things their kids say? Like, mm-hmm. that's what the, that's what Seldon's like, character development reminds me of. It's like, what do you think about the Ukraine-Russia conflict? And it's like, mommy, I think that just, like, complex geopolitical oh, like- analysis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
4: Yeah, that is a little bit what it's like. Uh, yeah, definitely.
0: Okay, the next chapter is our one respite from the ongoing struggle in the Rain Wilds. It's Paragon's captain. Uh can't even call him by name. So, this is a chapter all about Brashin finally settling into a leadership role on Paragon and the crew of the Paragon sort of thinking about their next moves as they are approaching like the
4: pyradiles Um Okay, I sort
0: t- of we I s- oh, sorry
4: I'll go ahead. tucked himself in.
2: So I have-
1: oh! <laughs> It's so cute.
2: He did that himself? Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. He was playing
1: and being really annoying with the blanket. Um And then all of a sudden I was like, oh, he's being still, so I peeked around to look at him and he tucked himself in. Oh, that's so cute.
4: So cute.
0: Okay, sorry. <laughs> really you know what? Actually, this, this segues into my first note really well, where it's like, it's all about Amber saying, in my opinion, men deny animals have thoughts and feelings for one basic reason. So they won't feel guilty about what they do to them. And it's like, yeah, show your animals some love. And I think that this applies a lot like basically everything Amber says, it applies across the this across time and space, where it applies a lot to what the says did to the dragons, where they refused to think of them as intelligent beings, and brought about the entire catastrophe that's happening to them right now, uh, and more. Uh, and in the future, we see, in the past we see a similar thing with the oppression of the uh, the witted folk, right? Mm-hmm. Um the old blood uh, where they just don't respect the essentially autonomy of animals but yeah just like be nice to them folks that's all yeah also uh if you haven't watched the new Jordan Peele movie nope this is a pretty uh this is there's like a pretty similar theme in that so that reminded me a lot of that
4: I'll have to look at that one. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a part where Paragon and Amber are talking,
1: and Paragon's trying to tell Amber that there's like multiple dragons inside him. Cause he's like, There's two me's. And Amber's like, Sometimes I feel like there's another me too. Like she thinks he's being metaphorical, and he's like no, they're both me. Uh, they're different me's. And she, like, says that she has that too, and he asks her, who is your other me? And she says, oh, well, a friend I had. We used to talk a lot. Sometimes I still hear myself talking to him, and I know how he would answer. And I was like, it's Fitz.
0: <laughs> oh, there, fits Oh, yeah. There's, like, another, like, big hint earlier, right? Where like, Lavoy is like, You'd have to be a fool to think that. And she's like, Yep. She Yeah, I've been called a fool a bunch. Yes. <laughs> the first
1: time I've been called a fool, and likely not the
4: last. Yes. Uh, yep. I did like that. Speaking of Paragon and his multiple selves, I
2: think that him. Realizing and understanding where all of the, like, conflict of self comes from within himself and the fact that there are so many different beings in him helps him so much become his own being. Because he realizes all of the different parts inside himself, like, both of the dragons... Kenneth's childhood self and all of the people who died aboard him, like, don't make up him. Like, he used to think that he was just all of those people and he just, like, was what they were. And I think now he's realizing that he can become more than that and that he's more than, like, he, I think he says to Amber, like, I can be more than you. Like I can be different than you guys want me to be, but I can also be different than like what I thought I was. So like he can be different than the dragons want him to be, or like all of the parts inside himself are like, he can choose to become someone new.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And that's the first time that he's like realizing he's got that freedom too. mm
3: mm-hmm.
0: I just wish he would stop with the, with the fucking, I could kill you if I wanted to. Like, Paragon, this is, like, the third time this week you've acted as though you're gonna kill me. We know you aren't. Yeah. Like, cut the act.
1: And we also know that you could. Like, it's not brand new. It's something
2: no. that all of, like, that Brashen thinks about on a daily basis.
0: Yeah. Right. I feel like the first time he does it, it's, like, scary and threatening, and now it's, he's just, like, a kid wanting attention.
2: Yeah. Well, I think that is the child part of him. Mm.
4: Like, who thinks about lashing out like that.
0: Uh, Speaking of Paragon, is this like the first time we hear about his seven-pointed star?
1: I don't think so. I think it's described, like, in the last book. Yeah. I feel happened. like
0: it's okay. It's the first time since we learned that it was Igrat's symbol from like Canon's section. Yeah. So that's like, a that's that's a big like, that's basically like another instance of them giving the game away where they're like, mm-hmm. here's the connection.
4: Yeah. Okay, but
0: enough about these other characters. Um, for the titular character, uh, it really is incredibly cool to see Brashen sort of tread the line of being commanding while also being respectful of everyone. And while it is sad to see that, like, the line of professionalism he has to draw with Althea, it's... Like Althea said, there's still that, like, pride in how much he's grown into himself. Mm-hmm. I think... Especially from where he started this book at it's it's such a huge transformation i love that for him yeah
2: yeah i marked down two quotes from that section and it's althea like looking at brashan and she's like she suddenly looked at him with new eyes he had it whatever that in the indefinable quality was that made him made a man capable of captaining a ship brashan had it And then she's like, she felt a pang of loss that the line must separate herself as well. But the surge of pride she felt in him overwhelmed any selfish regrets. This was what her father had seen in him. Brashen had satisfied all of Ephraim Vestroit's belief. And I was like, oh, that's so freaking sweet. And the fact that she's admitting that, like, she doesn't want that line to separate the two of them, like, she likes him, and she knows she likes him, and she's starting to admit it, even to herself. They, they
0: kissed yeah. like last t- last time. Last time we had a chapter of the both of them. They kissed. They they know. Yes, it. But, like she could have just talked that off
2: as being like physical, like oh, I'm just attracted. Yeah. But this is like uh, she she respects, respects for the like friendship and relationship that they had. She yeah. like doesn't want the line to separate them that way but she likes him she like likes him and she's telling herself she likes him now (sighs) and I'm not mad about it that's (sighs) Althea's real growth admitting that she likes a man
0: (laughs) I think okay and another thing is I think in the realization that Brashen has what it takes to captain a ship it's another step in realizing that like she doesn't have that yet I think yeah. And but she does like she eventually definitely gets it, but I think that lots of Althea's growth is like sort of realizing that the person she was at the start of the series was not ready to be the person who could captain Vivacia and she's grows into that person by the time that she actually gets command of a live ship.
4: Yeah, definitely.
0: Which like again, like it makes sense for Brashen to grow into that role earlier because he was like the first mate on the ship for so long. Um, and Alti is having to like learn lessons about leadership along the way, but yeah. Um, my last note for this chapter was just, uh, Amber is talking about Paragon and says he's like a boy in adolescence. He's decided that nothing is the way he believed it to be and is reconstructing his whole vision of the world, which I feel like this, it applies to Paragon, and there's an interesting parallel there with Kennet, of course, and how he changes his whole view of the world to be about control, and he becomes very cynical and, like, paranoid. But I also feel like this just applies to almost every character in the series and their growth, where it's like, we just saw Malta completely change her worldview, and we know Winfro has his complete crisis of faith throughout the first book. In this one, um, uh, Althea has to go through a similar thing. Like the entire series is like predicated on people like having their view of themselves in the world shattered, and then having to piece it back together.
2: Mm -hmm. Well, I think this is happening with Kennet right now again. Like, he had that happen to him when he lost his leg, and now the threat of, like, losing Wintro too. I
4: think that does it to him also. Mm -hmm. Except Kennet never grows to be a good person,
2: which... No. He he grew
0: away from being a good person, and he never grew back.
2: Yeah. That's because he didn't have Paragon to give it back to him. Mm-hmm.
1: I wonder if he was too far gone, though. Like, if Paragon gave him his memories and whatever back, like, I don't know how much it would have changed him.
0: I think that I, I think he would have tried to kill himself, like, not to get too dark, but I think that, like.
1: I kind of he, think that, too.
0: Yeah, like, he would finally realize, like. He would have to. Like, he, I, yeah, he couldn't live with the weight of what he'd done, I think, at that point. Mm hmm. Or
1: that, or he just wouldn't be able to live with the memories of what happened to him,
2: mm-hmm. and like the feelings
1: mm. associated. Mm.
2: Yeah, because they all come back fresh. Like when Fitz gets his back, it's yeah. like they, he's like feeling them for the first time, and like they're brand new. So and Fitz I is able that.
0: to deal with them because he actually has grown throughout that series, while Kenneth has regressed. If anything, yeah. right? He still doesn't have the tools to actually deal with this trauma.
4: Nope. Well, and I think
2: half the tools of, like, being strong enough to go through your trauma and deal with it is, like, having that community. Like, Fitz has so many people around him that love him and care about him and are there for him whenever he needs, and, like, Kennet refuses to allow anybody in. Like, even Vivatia doesn't know the, like, soul and heart of Kennet.
3: To be that? fair,
0: un- until Fitz gets his memories back, he doesn't really. He he like he, he's he's still like a recluse from society until he gets his memories back. and He's like, oh shit, this whole like isolating my myself thing is pretty cringe. I'm gonna well, go back and talk to my mom.
1: Both Kenneth and Fitz share the like denial about the way people feel about them. Like they both don't think. That anyone genuinely cares about, like, their Mm well-being. And Fitz is just sad boy about it, and Kenneth doesn't care. Mm
3: -hmm. But
1: they both believe that. When in reality, they're surrounded by people that, like, love them. Mm
2: -hmm. And even when Fitz is in his recluse stage, like, he still has night eyes, for sure. And the fool comes to visit, and, like, he's got Hap and Starling. So, like, he's never... One hundred percent,
0: ever alone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's got, he's got, he's got a child to care for. He's got a wolf to care for him, and uh, he's getting laid. Like you know, everything's going great. <laughs> what more does he need <laughs> in his life? Yeah. Also, like this talk about drawing comparisons between Kenneth and Fitz reminded me of this Reddit post I saw, and I can't tell if it's genius or just coincidence. But like, they're talking about how. Kenneth's name sounds really similar to Fitz's like original name Kepit, and was wondering if that was like an intentional thing, to like draw par like draw like draw parallel or like draw comparisons between them. And I was like, hmm,
1: perhaps I think there's a striking amount of comparisons. Like I know we talked about it a lot, and I think it was in Ship of Magic, but there's mm-hmm. a lot of similarities. They just went on different paths with, like, the way they reacted to their traumas. Like, yeah. Kenneth became an evil genius, and Fitz is, like, trying to help people.
4: But mm. they have so many similarities. For sure. He, he really is sort of...
0: Reductively the evil Fitz, but... Yes yeah, especially with like the whole theme of destiny that it's it's almost like an inversion of the stuff that's played straight in the first series with like you've got the the promised prince who's destined to save the world with the and they 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 like mess around with that a little bit in the first series, but like it's really flipped on its head here. Anyways, enough about Kennedy. He isn't even in this fucking section of the book. <laughs> <laughs> Giving him too much screen time. <laughs> um,
2: so Watch out. My- I wonder if
1: Julia still loves him or when
0: oh,
1: that glass um, will shatter.
0: I don't. Has she finished the book? I don't, I don't think so. I don't think. Okay. Well, well, we'll find out soon, TM, when we do the. <laughs> Not a so live live show,
4: yeah.
2: I don't know if I'm gonna be able to hold my disdain for him in. Like I'm, gonna, I'm not, not how quiet I can but it. I
1: have like a big thing to drink, so that every time I'm gonna make a face, <laughs> I can take a drink.
2: <laughs> I have to have a mug that will cover my whole face. My to, like, yeah,
0: the face. Okay.
2: yeah. <laughs> we should just put up masks.
0: We should put a
2: little <laughs> face on paper and just like hold it up. Like I can't say anything because I don't. <laughs>
0: want to spoil it. But then I feel like that's a spoiler in and of itself.
2: Yeah, that's true. of cool. our cameras off is too, but it's. Dude, I mean,
0: no, that's why you, you don't turn. You, that's why you have the drink. So you, you just you have to have. You have to have like normal I have drinks. To get too. up and walk away. Like <laughs> face will show it all. Even when I'm done with
2: my drink, I'll be like trying to put it down. Like it's not gonna go well. I have a lot just of patrons. Like lean
1: kids. out of frame. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what's that? What? Huh? Somebody's talking to me over here.
2: <laughs> I'll drag my cats. I'll just hold them in front of my
4: face <laughs> so that they can be the spoil-free thing. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be rough.
2: <clears throat> I really don't know that Julia's gonna come to hate Kenneth until everything gets wild in Ship of Destiny. And I'm dreading that moment. I'm well, like, the lead up until that moment.
0: I don't know. I feel like he, he does, like, some really fucked up shit the last time. The, the last few chapters, right? Did she I get don't... to the part where he is, like,
2: hatching his evil plan to, like, make a baby with Kenneth and Edda? <laughs> or,
0: I mean, with Wintro and Edda.
1: Yeah, I think she's past that.
0: No, I think that happens like right after where she was praising him. Hopefully. Oh, Please. Okay. She got past she. She got to she got, got to the island part where she stows away Kyle.
4: She? She also got past the part
2: where um Greg like shows his true Low-key misogynistic colors.
0: Wait, no, that means she must have gotten past the, the part where Ken' hatching his plan. No! Sec- yeah. You had hope. I do not. <laughs> okay. This is, this is gonna be a contentious live
4: show. Um.
0: But anyways, before that, uh, we have one last chapter. Technically two. The epilogue
2: exists. Fair. And it is titled um, chapter 40, so it's kind of confusing.
0: Okay, so the last chapter of the book five, second to last. The, yeah, second to last, not counting the epilogue is chapter 39 Dragon Rising. The events of this chapter are pretty simple. Um, Rain has resigned to his fate of dying and is like, cool, we're just all going to drown in the muck. And it's like, well, might as well die trying to free Tintaglia." And in a last ditch effort, gets sunlight onto the cocoon and Tintaglia finally morphs into a true full dragon and flies out and is like, cool, I can save my species. And then has a little moment of guilt and it's like, fine, I'll go save the humans. Hmm i'm just kind of
2: surprised she didn't think of vengeance first like instead of saving rain and stuff she didn't think to like burn down tree hog because they kept
4: her in the cocoon for so long yeah i would agree or like for her brethren that that turned into ships
0: yeah Honestly, I think the only reason that she didn't is because it would have been inconvenient for the plot. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Probably, yeah. But I mean, even if she did it then, everyone was, like, working on saving the, like, city. So they wouldn't have even been in Treehog, really, to begin with. So if she destroyed the city, she just destroyed, like, the places that they lived. She didn't even destroy the people there.
0: Right. There are still some people in the city, though. It's not, like, the entire city. elder and under-
2: children, yeah. Right. Anyone. I think it said, like, anyone who can help has to help. And, like, Kefria mm. even goes to help. But I think she does that because Malta's in there.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: I
4: don't think Kefria would go help unless it directly affected her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She'd be like that.
0: I know that we've known that the cocoons, like, have the memories in them. I sort of still remembered the dragons just, like, hatching out from them, right? But instead, it's like the cocoons just sort of melt into the dragons inside them, which I thought was a really interesting, like, different way of describing the process. Yeah. Where it's, yeah. the cocoons are literally part of them and not just, like, a holding vessel
2: yeah i thought it was so interesting and how much detail was in it i loved it and it did remind me a little bit of like a butterfly or like a moth coming out of the cocoon with like it takes a second for their wings to really like fully come out and like be the size that they're supposed to be because they come out real shriveled and looking like ridiculous on their big fat bodies so it was kind of funny that that
4: like happened to her too, and it like took a second for her wings to actually come out. Mm-hmm.
0: Honestly, another—I'm surprised that she didn't want to kill Selden and Rain for being the only people to see her like feeble and weak.
4: Yeah, I think she was
2: just riding a high of being free that she like. Didn't care in the moment, Mm -hmm. and then Selden come like when she comes back to save them. Selden sings her praise so much; she's like enamored by him. She's like, "Yes, I'll keep you,
4: my pet." Mm
0: -hmm. Um. Yeah, I didn't really have anything to say. This this chapter sort of just spoke for itself. Yeah.
4: yeah, I didn't have
0: any notes for this chapter. <laughs> well, once again, continuing the trend of the chapters in, wh- in which the most important shit happens, we have nothing to say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so let's move on to the epilogue, chapter 40, The Memory of Wings. And you guessed it, we're back to the serpents. Um, we get more musings from Caesarea and everyone about like why, why are we not able to go back? And it's like the memories have been stolen. Time has passed. Uh oh, we we're running out of time. Then we get a cut to she who remembers, who is following Vivacia and hoping to reunite with the with the serpents and lead them to uh, the rain wilds and where they need a cocoon. I thought that, for me, the notable part of this epilogue was the section with She Who Remembers. I kind of felt like the other serpents were just sort of like retreading ground that Eldre talked about. We
4: mm-hmm. never
0: got to see a, a She Who Remembers point of view. And it it was interesting because it's such a distinct personality from the other serpents in that there's obviously like a lot of trauma there where it's like, he's talking about, she wished she could kill them over and over again, endlessly, and forever take satisfaction in the act, talking about, like, yeah. the, yeah. Even if she desired it, she recognized it as yet another of the deformities they'd inflicted on her. So. But she's also, like, deeply curious. She, like, she has, like, this huge destiny on her shoulder, but she's also like, these humans are neat! I want to follow and learn about them! Yeah. Yeah, and honestly, my immediate thought was, I think Cyrilla and her would get along a, a lot. They both, I feel like the way they talk about stuff and it's like intriguing. I need to study this more, or like this bears further investigation. feels it, it reminded me of that kind of yeah.
4: Speaking of the others. I feel like Claris had
2: to make them. Like, it was the people from Claris being around the dragons that created the others. Because they're the only ones that I feel like are super evil and have this, like, overarching, malicious intent for everything in the world that could seep into dragons to make them like that.
0: I, I, yeah, I don't we don't ever get like a description of how the others come about other than like it's just sort of humans interact humans influence on dragons. So that makes a lot of sense. Hmm.
4: Especially if Claris
2: like knew about the dragons and everything, and we're actively trying to like get rid of them. And I think in the last trilogy, like Dwalia and stuff talks about the others, or, like, they have conversations with them or something like that. So they are, like, almost in league together.
1: Well, that's just a hatching That island's, like, a hatching ground. So maybe mm-hmm. the people from Claris were, like, spending a bunch of time there trying to get dragon ed- eggs to hatch that would be, like, on their side. Mm-hmm. And then what hatched instead, because of all that exposure to them, was... The Abominations.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe they even, like, intended the Abominations to hatch, right? Because the Abominations sort of self-enforced, kept the dragons from coming back for thousands of years. Right.
2: And because they have so many different white prophets, or, like, people dreaming true and all of that stuff, like, they could see a future where this would be beneficial for them. And
4: that's why they, like, went to the island in the first place, probably.
0: And every time I think about Claris, it just it makes me think about, like, that, like, the meme of, like, who would win the, uh, a, an institution who has existed for thousands of years and has the ability to manipulate time itself or one dog boy and blind man. <laughs>
2: God It's Way B who like does it all. She like becomes the catalyst and stuff she says.
0: So yeah like a, a little like one, one, one like one ten year old child. <laughs> yeah.
2: Who's the size of a six year old. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it, it sounds like a like like a like, like a I don't know why, but like it reminds me of like a, an adoption thing for a dog or something where it's like age ten, but is as friendly as like six years old. I don't know.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Still acts like a puppy. Mm-hmm. Really friendly for its size. <laughs> But yeah, I think with that that's the end of this book. Um crazy to think about. I think that like Ship of Destiny I remember the least about. I've talked about this before. I remember like I just remember everything going down at the end, but there's so many there's so many things that I sort of felt like happened towards the latter half of this book which hasn't happened yet, and so I'm like, "Oh, I guess I guess there's actually things that happen at the start of Ship of Destiny." So, looking forward to that. And as we discussed earlier, really looking forward to discussing this with Jared and Julia, because Mm -hmm. um, so much goes down in the latter half of this book that uh, I'd love to pick their brains about. So, keep an eye out for that.
1: And Jared has not started
0: um, Ship of Destiny Destiny yet, has he? Nope. Honestly, I'm probably going to ask him to, like, hold on. Oh, yeah, no, I was gonna say Reread magic because he finished this, he finished it, like, a, a month ago. So, oh, yeah. Um, yeah. To, just to, like, like... Ref- or the refresher.
2: I feel like they I... both... Oh,
0: sorry, go
1: ahead,
2: Alex. I just feel like they both are gonna want to talk about all of the things that we had nothing to say about, <laughs> because, yeah. like, it's not important to us, because we know what all happens, and we're gonna want to talk about some stupid little things. They're gonna be like, the dragons, like... How were they connected to everything? And we're going to be like, so, like, what do you think about Amber? What's <laughs> up <laughs> with Paragon's face? And we're going to be like, oh, what are you talking about? Like, let's talk
0: about something serious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm- like, she who remembers? And it's like, okay, yeah, but what about Brashin and Althea, though? Where do you think yeah. that's coming? <laughs> yeah. I feel
1: like Jared could get by without rereading mad ship because Robin Hobb is the queen of like putting so much refresher shit in her books. So that like, he, he
0: remembers stuff to discuss in the in the live show. That's all. Oh, gotcha.
2: I feel like he had a ton to say before and I don't think he had read like I don't think he'd finished Ship of Magic really close to the time of
0: recording, right? Fair, fair. Fair, fair. Okay, you know what? I will... Fine, fine. I will... I, I'll trust in my friend's ability to remember. <laughs> Just because you can't remember what happened doesn't mean... Oh my god. <laughs> it's been flipped on me. Okay. okay.
1: I forget everything anyway. immediately as soon as I'm done reading it. It's. Like I remember
2: you. only the things that I think are important and then everything else goes out the window.
1: Yeah, like I tend
0: to think that I remember books a lot and that makes me not not want to reread them but doing this podcast has led me to realize i don't remember as much as i think i remember same it's been like we a read while
1: since i read the thing before we record i have to go back and reread all the notes i put in to like mm-hmm. remind myself what happened
2: i feel about
0: all of this stuff
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: right <laughs>
0: Okay, anyways, this episode has been on the verge of ending for like five minutes, so I'm going to end it formally. Bye. Yeah. Bye. <laughs>